Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. The Premier says he's doing everything he can to address Ontario's health care crisis, but is he? Ambulance offload delays have reached a new low in Hamilton. Will there be a complete overhaul at Hockey Canada? Some local homeowners are cancelling their listings and turning to the rental market. The streaking Forge FC is the focus of this week's GMH Summer Cruising Series, and the Hamilton Bulldogs have named a new assistant GM. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. We're going to continue coming up with ideas and working with the College of Nurses to get the internationally uh, trained nurses through the College uh, of Nurses in a, a much faster rapid uh, process. That's the Premier yesterday being battered by a litany of questions regarding the healthcare crisis in this province because emergency departments... Here, there, and everywhere in Ontario have been forced to close for hours or days at a time this summer due to staffing shortages. And facing pressure to act, the Premier is again calling on the federal government to increase health transfer payments. Amar Khan is a reporter with Global News and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Amar, good morning. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, another day, another hospital. So uh, getting pretty familiar with uh, seeing the outside of a uh, ICU or an emergency room now. Yeah, I'd imagine so. What stuck out to you after hearing from the Premier? Yeah, I'd say uh, there were a couple things. And the first thing was that he stuck to his talking points. He didn't really deviate from uh, what his health minister, uh, Sylvia Jones, said and what, you know, we received as a press release even a week ago. It was really kind of, uh, you know, passing the buck in a sense to uh, the federal government saying that they need to do more when the Ford government has actually, you know, uh, spent less money on uh, on healthcare than previous years. And more importantly, just really saying that they are doing everything, right? Really using these kind of um, messages and that you can't really test so often as saying that we're doing everything in our power. And he just kept repeating that line saying, you know, nine out of 10 uh, people who go to an emergency room are being seen. But there's one person that isn't, right? And that's a pretty significant thing to say. Um, and those numbers that he is uh, bandying about, we actually don't know where they're from because th- there was no data provided. There was no timeline provided of how recent they were. So it was really sticking to this message, Rick, and uh, really kind of, you know, hammering down that they're doing everything to make sure that nurses are being paid. And you know, I've been sharing some of these videos that you know we've been doing and and talking a little bit about his press conferences and the messages really reflect that same poll that you put out today is that there's a lot of people that don't think that he's doing the right thing he's don't he's not doing enough and a lot of them are nurses and a lot of them are healthcare workers who are just fed up and are really uh, you know as we learned today just not okay with this and are considering exiting and the situation could get a lot worse very quickly. You mentioned uh, healthcare professionals, uh, especially nurses, wanting to exit the profession. A new survey has come out from the Registered Practical Nurses Association of Ontario. 47% say they are considered leaving the, pr- the profession for good. 7 in 10 say they can't provide adequate patient care. And 86% of nurses have been asked to take on more shifts or overtime to cover staffing shortages. And here's another one. Four out of five reported reaching their breaking point. So it sounds like nurses are at their breaking point. The system's beyond the tipping point. But the Premier, again, continues to point the finger at the federal government over transfer payments. The messaging is not going to help nurses, is not going to help hospitals. 
No, absolutely not, right? And uh, a big thing here is just a lack of ownership in many ways, where the premier, um, you know, ostensibly uh, did not tell the truth. He said he's been talking about this at every campaign stop. And if anyone has been following, you know, this issue, whether it's nursing nursing, uh, shortages or, um, you know, the hospital system being overburdened, that's just not true. He hasn't fielded questions about this in quite some time. Uh, you know, yesterday was the first time since late June he's even talked about it and addressed this overburdened system. And, yeah, uh, speaking to nurses and having them reach out to us, uh, they are past that breaking point, right? Many are considering leaving, you know, a well-paying job uh, because they are taking on so many hours. They're taking on so much. They're having to work so many different jobs and in different capacities. And more importantly, just imagine, you know, you're, you finally get into an ICU, you get into an emergency, consider yourself lucky to be able to do that. And nurses are saying they can't even give you the right care. They can't even make sure that you're being attended to correctly. Uh, you know, that's a really frightening thing to, to, to know is that seven out of 10 are, are putting that out there. So, um, uh, you know, the premier has bandied around talking about foreign trained nurses. This is not a new issue. I've talked about this, you know, March uh, 30th, 2022 is you know the first time I wrote about this uh, when the pandemic started or 2020, sorry, uh, and there's been two and a half years where we could have moved on this, and the Premier could have really moved up, up those credentials. There was very clearly going to be a healthcare crisis with the pandemic, with how much it was going to ask of people, but uh, everyone has been slow to the punches on this, and now we're experiencing um, a break in the system, a crisis, and you know it could considerably get worse, which you know, from my perspective, and I think a lot of Ontarians, is a frightening thing to say out loud. Absolutely. Amar, we have a minute just to talk about Health Minister Sylvia Jones, who seems to be MIA. Do we expect to hear from her anytime soon about something that's going to be done? Yeah, I I wish we would bring back the daily COVID-19 press conferences so we could ask these questions. But it's been hard to get an answer from the minister. And, uh, you know, even when she does talk, it's really sticking to the points sticking to the same stuff that Doug Ford is saying, and it's really not deviating from it. And there is no immediate action plan. Neither of them have provided any details of how to fix this nurses, uh, nurse shortage problem immediately and, and what they're doing in this instance. And one of those things is Bill 124, which uh, you know would relieve some of that pay issue that nurses feel that they're not being compensated correctly. We'll be following it closely, and Amara will be doing it with you all along. Thanks for the time today. I appreciate it. Amar Khan is a reporter with Global News. You can check out more information online, 900CHML.com and globalnews.ca. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, it should be no surprise to hear of more and more ambulance delays at local hospitals. And it's not just a scenario that's happening here in Hamilton. You go to the GTA Southwestern Ontario, Eastern Ontario, um, pretty much everywhere you look in this province, it is an issue. So much so that the Ontario Association of Paramedic Chiefs says ambulance offload, offload delays have gotten 12 times longer in the past year. We know that the pandemic has put a lot of pressure on the healthcare system. Burnout is a factor. Uh, staffing shortages are a reality. And the pressure valve is screaming. Because we need some relief. Michael Sanderson is the chief of the Hamilton Paramedic Service. He's also the treasurer of the Ontario Association of Paramedic Chiefs and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Chief Sanderson, good morning. How are you? 
Good morning, Rick. Thank you. Uh, ambulance delays, and uh, as we know, they're called code zero events when there's not an ambulance available. That's nothing new, but the staffing shortage in hospitals, which is, um, you know, again, nothing new. It's happened over the last couple of years, but is getting worse by the day. It's making this situation of ambulance delays worse in this city. Is that a fair statement? It's a fair statement, Rick. Uh, it's challenging not just in the city of Hamilton, but it's challenging as you've identified across the province of Ontario. Uh, interestingly, some hospitals across the province uh, are doing relatively well in terms of managing their hospital delays. Uh, some are actually below the 30-minute standard, uh, despite the pandemic, despite the staffing shortages. But many hospitals uh, are experiencing significant delays. Uh, for the months of June, for example, it was over 200 minutes at the 90th percentile uh, in one of our hospitals here in Hamilton. And, and that's significantly longer than the standard of 30 minutes. So that means an ambulance is waiting outside a hospital to offload a patient for 200 minutes? Actually, they're waiting in the hospital hallway, Rick. Okay. Uh, we don't wait in the ambulance. Uh, we go in the hallway in the hospital, and they're, they're waiting for triage and for a transfer of care for the patient was in the hospital. The president of the Ontario Paramedic Association said offload delays are 12 times longer compared to a year ago. Does that number apply in Hamilton as well? I wouldn't say that they're 12 times longer than they were a year ago. Uh, we had challenges last year. Last year, we lost uh, a total of 32,000 uh, hours of offload delay time uh, within the city. Uh, we're at 23,000 hours a year to date so far, and I'm projecting uh, current, going at the current rate about 38,000. So they have gone up probably about 15 or 20 percent. Uh, but I have to say, I mean, those, those are numbers that are way, way too high. Uh, last year was a record year of 32,000 hours, and, and we're about to break that record again. So this year, 2022, is going to be a record-breaking year in terms of offload delays? Uh, for the city of Hamilton, it is, and I think for many other communities as well, from uh, talking to the peers. So they chair the offload delay working group for our provincial association. Uh, it's being identified as a major issue across the province. Michael Sanderson is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. He's the chief of the Hamilton Paramedic Service, also a board member with the Ontario Association of Paramedic Chiefs, and we're talking about ambulance offload delays that are getting worse and worse by the year. Premier Doug Ford yesterday said he's doing everything in his power to address staffing shortages in Ontario's hospitals, in the healthcare system. What more needs to be done, though? Because we're, we're seeing uh, tragic events happening each and every day. Well, we are seeing them, and you know the reality from from the EMS perspective is awful delays are a public safety risk. Uh, as our ambulances are in the hallways waiting to transfer care to the hospital, uh, they can't respond to calls in the community. Uh, and of course, that means longer response times for both emergency and for non-emergency calls such as fractured hips and so on. So I, I think that the, the challenge is direction from the province. Uh, the province needs to mandate uh, the hospitals flow the patients through, and then we have to recognize these are hospital and system-wide problems. It, it extends not just the emergency department, it's uh, the flow of patients up to the floors in the hospital and the flow of patients out of the hospital. So there, there needs to be some guidance, some direction, and, and some mandates in terms of the process. Rick, back in 2005, the problem of offload delays was identified. There's a provincial report on it. A lot of challenges were put forward in the process. There have been some band-aid solutions on it. I'm not sure we can solve it immediately today, uh, but we need to have some really good, strong direction uh, and some mandates to the hospitals uh, provincially, not just within the city of Hamilton, but provincially, that the 30-minute offload target needs to be enforced, and uh, that's uh, the standard that we need to go to. Because, quite frankly, the taxpayers in every municipality and the taxpayers across the province 
aren't paying for paramedics to staff hospital hallways. They're paying for paramedics to respond to emergencies within the community. I'd imagine the ripple effect is quite severe because I'm just picturing three, four, five ambulances, you know, parked at a local hospital. The paramedics are inside with the patients who are waiting to be, you know, taken to a room and be assessed. Meanwhile, there could be other 911 calls in the community that you can't get to. That's absolutely right, Rick, and that happens on a regular basis. I can tell you that yesterday we were down to, uh, we're staffing 32 ambulances in the city of Hamilton. We were down to four ambulances available covering the the entire city of Hamilton. So uh, it does create longer response times, and and it is challenging uh, both for our paramedics and for the patients that were there to serve. Is it also a good reminder that, uh, listen, unless it's a, a real emergency, don't dial 911? Well, it's always a good thing to remember on that, Rick. As you would be aware, we have our Make the Right Call campaign that continues to be underway. Uh, If you require an ambulance, we're going to be there for you. Uh, There may be some delays in the process if we're uh, jammed in terms of offload delay times and other challenges. However, if you don't need to have an ambulance, an ambulance isn't the right resource to call. Chief Sanderson, always appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, providing some insight for our listeners this morning. Great. Thank you very much, Rick. Thanks for the time. That is Michael Sanderson, Chief of the Hamilton Paramedic Service and Treasurer of the Ontario Association of Paramedic Chiefs. Uh, Listen, if you need an ambulance, you're going to be waiting. And once you get in the ambulance, you're likely going to be waiting at a hospital to get into a room to see a physician. Uh, No matter if you're walking to the ER or you're in an ambulance at the ER, you're going to be waiting. And it is clear that we need more staff in hospitals assessing the situation at that triage point in the ER, at various departments in hospitals. How we get there, that's, that's a huge gap. And it sounds like the Premier is not, um, not willing to go that extra mile, even though he says he's doing everything in his power to do so. And I'll make the suggestion that instead of building a multi-billion dollar highway, how about allocating that money to health care? I don't know. Seems like a simple one to me. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Hockey Canada scandal continues, and it was addressed earlier on this week from a former Hamilton Bulldog. That's obviously, uh, you know, a really serious matter going on with, uh, you know, the, the hockey world right now, and especially Hockey Canada. But, you know, right now, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a huge deal, as I said, but right now we're just kind of just focusing on, you know, what our task is. That is Mason McTavish. He is the team captain for the Canadian World Junior Hockey Team team which will launch into the competition in just a matter of days in Edmonton all the while many still believe that Hockey Canada needs to complete a massive overhaul following the sexual assault scandals that have rocked the organization Dr. Ann Pegararo is a Lang chair in sport management at the Gordon S Lang School of Business and Economics at the University of Guelph and joins us now Dr. Ann good morning how are you good morning uh A complete overhaul is needed at Hockey Canada. I've been preaching about this for a few weeks now. Do you agree? Uh, Yes. (laughs) I think the simple answer is yes. Um, I think hopefully, you know, you've been preaching about it, Rick. Others have been saying about it. But it somehow seems that Hockey Canada doesn't hear it. And that is, to me, one of the most surprising things. I get it. People want to hang on to their jobs. Uh, Scott Smith, the CEO, says, hey, give me a chance. I want to, you know, turn the Bismarck here and change things around. But in saying that, I'm surprised that not one, not one individual among Hockey Canada's leadership group has stepped down in disgrace, fallen on their sword, do, you know, whatever the term you want to use. Are you as surprised as I am that no one has stepped down? I think I'm half surprised and half also thinking, you know, this is probably indicative of why they're in the crisis they're in now. 
Um, if individuals can't have that sort of outside look in and say, hey, listen, the best way to move our organization forward is for some of us to step aside, um, you know, it lets us know that that they don't necessarily maybe even believe some of the decisions that they've made along the way have been that uh, wrong. What should be done here? What kind of overhaul is needed and what kind of people do Hockey Canada need to attract to their organization? You know, I, I've... I've thought I'd never say this publicly, but um, let's look at the NHL. <laughs> they're not always the leaders, but they're farther ahead than Hockey Canada is. I mean, they have women in key positions. They have diverse individuals. They're pursuing diversity. Um, you know, there there are groups that, that uh, are trying to push them and they're listening more than Hockey Canada has. So we see women in front office positions in NHL teams. We see them on coaching staffs. We're seeing them in analytics positions, um, but we don't see any of that inside of, of Hockey Canada. And we certainly don't see... Uh, uh, much, if any, diversity. And I'm of the belief, too, and number one, yeah, diversity is very much needed, especially in this sport. But number two, I don't think they necessarily, at least in terms of the leadership group, necessarily have to have a hockey background. You look at, well, you mentioned the NHL. Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the league, is a lawyer by trade. He wasn't a hockey player. He wasn't a, I don't even think he was a hockey fan, really. Um, does Hockey Canada need to follow that kind of template? Yeah, I firmly believe that, you know, anything that happens on the ice, sure, you need to know the game. You need to be a part of the game. You need to be, if you're coaching or if you're part of the, the team, for sure. But it's a business, you know. Hockey Canada is our largest national sport organization. It's the most funded, whether it's from, uh, you know, sponsors or, or fees. And so it's a business. And I think that there are individuals who can come from, with some knowledge of sport, not necessarily hockey, and, and they can run this organization in a different way. The The long-term problem, I think, with hockey is they always believe you need to be a hockey person to be a part of the business side of the game. And, and I don't believe that. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Dr. Ann Pegararo, Lang Chair in Sport Management at the Gordon S. Lang School of Business and Economics at the University of Guelph. We're talking about these sexual assault scandals that have rocked Hockey Canada. We've heard the terms uh, code of silence, culture change needed. Th this is a long play, a long game and a slow roll, but it has to happen. How do we or how does Hockey Canada get there? Well, I think, you know, it's it's Hockey Canada is our, our biggest, flashiest case right now. But we've been hearing from athletes in NSOs uh, across the board in the last six, eight months quite quite uh, loudly that their training environments are not great, that they've they've suffered abuse, et cetera. So we need a culture change in sport period in Canada, I think. And, and part of that needs to be what can we do inside of our sport organizations to get the public trust back so that, you know, um, Rick, you and parents and, and, and people like me would, would want to put kids back into sport, would want to pay the fees uh, to Hockey Canada. Um, so I think about, you know, what can we do to change our system? And, and uh, I don't about you, but if I go and buy a new car, I look up consumer reports for safety. If I'm going to donate to a charity, I can assess that charity. Why don't we have a system in, in Canadian sport that allows us to look up organizations and see where they are uh, in terms of creating a safe and inclusive sport environment? So I, I think we need to overhaul the system. Uh, Hockey Canada is certainly a flashpoint around it right now. we got about 45 seconds. Is that uh, system, whatever it looks like in terms of checking in on organizations, is that close to reality? Is that something that we could see sometime soon? I think so. I think we've got a sport minister who wants to make change. She's put money into an uh, office of sport integrity. I would think that this would be an idea that that the Sport Canada would would think that is the next step for for them as a government uh, funded organization. I think it's a great idea. Knowledge is power. Dr. Pegararo, thank you for your time today. 
Thank you for having me on and having this discussion. That is Dr. Ann Pegararo, Lang Chair in Sport Management at the Gordon S. Lang School of Business and Economics at the University of Guelph. World Junior Hockey Championships begin next week in Edmonton. They certainly are being overshadowed by this dark cloud. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Boy, it has been certainly an up and down roller coaster of a ride for real estate in this community, really across the country. A couple of years ago, when the pandemic first erupted, who'd have thunk, especially with the CMHC coming out and saying, hey, you know, house prices, house sales, the whole market is going to plummet by about 17, 18, 9 percent. Don't even think about putting your house up for sale. And then April and May and June and July and so on in 2020 came and the housing market absolutely exploded. Sales through the roof, prices through the roof, um, bidding wars. Upwards of two, three, four hundred thousand dollars over asking. Home inspections non-existent because it was that furious. Well, oh how have times changed now? Two and a half years later, Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington says eight hundred eleven homes changed hands last month. That's down eighteen percent compared to June. A 35% decline compared to July 2021. The average sale price, just shy of $890,000 or $880,000. That's down 7% from last month, but still up about 4% compared to July of last year. The cooling housing market is now forcing more and more homeowners, because they're not getting the prices that they were seeing before, to cancel their listings and turn their properties into rentals. Rob Golfie is a sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfie team, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Rob, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm good. Before we get into the rental market, I want to get your sense and your description of the current real estate market in Hamilton. What 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 words come to mind? Uh, very uh, frustrating. <laughs> uh, more so for sellers out there right now. There uh, a lot of. Uh, anxiety um a lot of people that uh didn't expect uh the market to be this way some people uh, got into the market late uh they bought early this year now uh because their closing date was very long and now they're putting up for sale they're what they expected to get for their house uh is not happening and uh, so a lot of changes definitely are happening also things aren't happening as quickly because a year ago at this time Average days on market was about two weeks. Now it's over three weeks, so things are much slower. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and and we're so used to having a fast-paced market for, for such a long time. Um, and when, you know, and, and, the, and the problem is it's, it's the sellers, the people that have their house up for sale, it's their friends and family are telling them, I can't believe your house hasn't sold yet because they, they, they sold their house in the, it, during the good times. Mm-hmm. And so they're not really experiencing what the market's really like because they don't have their house up for sale. But the people that do, um, it, it is frustrating. Uh, frustrating and, and some of them can't afford to sell at a lower rate, at the lower, lower um, price for their house just because of the fact that they need uh, the equity to go into the next house 
And uh, it, it, it is definitely frustrating out there. We're hearing more and more that home sellers, not only here in Hamilton, but really across the country, are delisting their properties, taking their properties off the market and saying, you know what, we're going we're gonna to rent this place out or a bedroom or a basement or whatever the case is. Are we seeing more and more of that in Hamilton? Yeah, absolutely. Just in the past seven days, uh, there was 320 new listings. Uh, uh, and then out of the... Uh, out of the out of those, 168 uh, decreased their price, and uh, and and canceled 153. That's just in the last seven days, and that's the Hamilton and Burlington and surrounding areas. So there there's definitely a lot of cancellations and a lot of price uh, decreases happening on, uh, on on a lot of listings right now. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Rob Golfie, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. You can hear more from Rob on the Golfie Real Estate Show Hamilton edition every Saturday morning at 9. What advice do you have for homeowners who are thinking about entering the rental game? Uh, you know what? The rental game is good. They, you know, they, they'll keep their house, and, and then the market will change down the road. But be careful because the market will change because we've had a quiet time for the last two to three months. And what happens after a quiet time in sales, uh, the market will pick back up. I'm not going to say the market's going to increase in price, but the market will pick up. So if the people that need to sell – and they're okay with what the average sale price is happening right now. Um, they they'll they'll sell their property now. Is that we don't know if that's going to happen sometime this month of August or September, uh, but it will pick back up. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it just uh, be just. But don't do something rational, quick, and rent it, and then all of a sudden they could have put their house up for sale, and the market's picking up, and they go, well, now they're stuck with a, a one year lease with uh, with somebody. And now they can't sell it, so they got to be very, very careful and think it out very, very wisely uh, before they put their house up for rent. So they uh, should they should be looking at a shorter term lease agreement, maybe six, nine months. It, you know what? The, the, yeah, sometimes people are in between moves. Those are the people that uh, are probably perfect to uh, to uh, you know get rent your property out. Now again, the markets. The best time of the year, a lot of the times, and we've seen this many, many, uh, many years, is uh, February, March every year. Usually, uh, no matter what the market's like, interest rates are, but um, but and also the fall. So the, the, our busy time will co- will come up uh, this fall if they can hang on, uh, you know, just for another couple month or two, they'll be fine and they'll end up selling it, selling their house, not a problem because. Just like before, uh, when the pandemic hit last uh, in 2020, uh, everything just stalled and stopped. And then all of a sudden, when things were starting to roll back in again, it just continued. It just went. The market went furious for the for the next 18 months. So now we're going through that right now. Not as much as um, COVID when it hit in March of 2020, but it will pick back up because we had have uh, we've had had a slow time in the last two three months. And so it, it, it's it's just the curve how real estate works. Yeah, the roller coaster ride has been fun for some, not so much for others. Rob, really appreciate the time today. Uh, we'll talk to you on Saturday. 
Thank you. Take care. That's Rob Golfie, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. You can also hear more of Rob on the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition, every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock right here on 900 CHML. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Each and every week throughout the summer, the Good Morning Hamilton Summer Cruising Series has rolled into various different locations, and today's no different. We make a pit stop at Tim Hortons Field this week to check out Forge FC because Hamilton's pro soccer team is hosting the Halifax Wanderers on Saturday at 4 p.m. And here to talk about it is Forge FC head coach Bobby Smirniotis. Bobby, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, Forge FC is the first team to 10 wins in a year. I know there's plenty of games left in the calendar, but is that a good barometer hitting that 10 win plateau before anyone else? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a good place to be right now where we are in the season with uh, with 16 games uh, in, uh, 12 to go in the regular season. You know, again, these wins are important. The earlier you can get them, uh, makes it a little bit uh, easier as you go down the stretch. But most importantly, the team is clicking and is playing some excellent football. We're on five straight wins now, and we want to keep that going. Yeah, half of those 10 wins are coming on this impressive current run. What's working for you guys right now? Yeah, I think uh, things are clicking. You know, we we like to play an intricate style of uh, of football, of uh, of soccer, and uh, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of a while for everyone to really understand the, all the motions very well. And you know, it's not only these five games. You know, I'll probably go ten games back, and we've got two games we've lost in there too. That I think we've been we've been absolutely brilliant. So it keeps on getting better. The timing of how players are finding themselves on the field is very good, and we're getting contributions from all. Uh, all areas of our roster, and I think that's important as well. Halifax has not clicked as has uh, you guys and, and other teams at the top of the table, but what do you see in the Wanderers? They're a resilient team. You know, it doesn't matter uh, what the, the table may show or what the results uh, show. They're a team that's uh, that's constantly working hard, and we, we, we know right now they're a team with their back against the wall, and sometimes that's dangerous. You know, they're coming in here on Saturday, and... Uh, they need the three points as much as we do. And uh, what we've seen in the league so far this year is there's been a lot of different uh, results in games um, that maybe, you know, don't reflect where the standings are. So we just got to be sharp mentally. We have to have our concentration high. And most importantly, we got to continue on the path that we've been on and, and playing the quality football that we do. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Bobby Smirniotis, the head coach of Forge FC. They're taking on the Halifax Wanderers this Saturday at 4 the uh, as we know each and every week there are some big games on the calendar uh, not to say that this week isn't a big game because it is but there is a massive game next week between forge and cavalry in alberta have the players become good at not looking beyond the next opponent is that almost the secret to the success for this team yeah, i think it's the biggest thing we talk about uh, first and foremost we always put all of our uh, attention towards the opponent uh, we have in front of us um and then you know once that game is done and if things are successful the, you know the next thing we talk about is uh, you're only as good as your next match um so you only have to look at the one that's in front of you because that gives you the good basis of, of where you're going it's something that i've preached uh, since day one in the locker room uh, with this team. And I think that keeps everyone focused on the task at hand because sometimes in, in sport, it's easy to look beyond. It's easy to look at what the schedule is bringing and try to predict many things, but uh, you can't predict anything. You got to take that first whistle in the game and make sure you've done your business for 90 minutes. And then uh, you take predictions out of the way. Fans across the league will head to the CPL website or maybe they'll go on the Forge website and they'll check out uh, the stats. One look at the league leaders across the league for 
things like goals and assists, uh, clean sheets, passes. There's not one Forge player at the top of the list. Does that speak to the team that you've assembled? You're not relying on one or two players to to carry you each and every week? Yeah, I think that's what it is for us. Uh, you know, for for an opponent, they have to look at a lot of different players on the pitch. Uh, they don't really know where it's uh, it's going to come from. You know, and the and that's indicative in our our team stats. Uh, we've scored the most goals in this league. We've given up the least amount of goals in this league. And you know, we're doing it through the contributions of of a lot of players. You, know, you look at the each and every week, we're getting big contributions. This last game in Ottawa, Taron Campbell with two goals and an assist. Uh, and uh, before that, we've got Rubens Passius, who was uh, scoring for four games in a row. And uh, something that we want. We know Borges has been excellent for us all season. Schwanier, Becker. Um, I think it's very important, especially in the league where we're playing our opponents, you know, four times each. You have to have different looks. You have to have different tactical uh, scenarios that you can put towards the opponent and, and keep them on their toes. Forge has also been stout defensively. The goalkeeping has been on par. There's no doubt about that. When we look at what this league is all about, and, and a big factor of it is developing the next generation of Canadian star players, those who are going to play for Team Canada or uh, in other leagues or uh, star in the CPL, are, are we seeing that development already from a league that's just four years in? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, one thing we've we've seen is that there there's talent in this country, um, and this uh, league has given given the players a platform um, to be able to show that where it wasn't there before and the players are having to travel all places in the world to to become professionals. Now we have it here, we're seeing it year in, year out and in the, in the quality of the Canadian players, some of the players transferring out of the league and and some of the young exciting players in the league, especially in, in our club here at, at Forge. You look at guys like Ruben Spasias, Alessandro Hojabrapur, Tristan Borges, uh, Kwesi Poku, I'm sure I'm missing a few guys, but these guys are playing at a high level each and every week. They're contributing to what is uh, right now first place team in the in the CPL, and I think uh, you know the, the sky's the limit for a lot of players on our team and uh, a lot of players across this league. Forge FC goes for win number six in a row Saturday against the Halifax Wanderers, 4 p.m. start time at Tim Hortons Field. Bobby, best of luck this weekend and beyond, and thanks for catching up with us. Thank you very much, guys. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Exciting news from the OHL reigning champion Hamilton Bulldogs. They have a new assistant general manager. His name is Matt Turek, and Matt joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Matt, good morning. How are you? Great, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Hey, you're moving from the director of player personnel with the team to assistant GM. So what changes? Well, I think... For me, it'll be a little more uh, kind of hands-on with the team, uh, scouting, uh, probably back watching some more minor hockey, um, and uh, maybe a lot more uh, day-to-day uh, tasks with Steve and kind of taking a little bit off his plate. Uh, we, Ian Mahar, who was the assistant GM before, left uh, to go to the Carolina Hurricanes, and the job was vacant for a year. So I think Steve had a lot of his plate last year. I was this uh, promotion expected? Were you being groomed for this? Did this come out of the blue? It, I, I don't know if it really came out of the blue. It's come up a couple times, but uh, I just thought, you know, I think we both thought like the timing was right. Um, I have, uh, you know, I had a little bit more time this year, and uh, I think just, just being in the office a lot more, um, I was able to have uh, to afford that time. You've been around the game basically your whole life as a, as a player, as a scout. Uh, you've been with the OHL Central scouting team as well. How are all these experiences and uh, 
and uh, characteristics that you built over the years going to help you in this role? Well, I think uh, being with like OHL Center Scouting, I think it was there almost nine years, um, you know, just learning from some good people there, evaluating talent, um, and then uh, working with our scouting staff in Hamilton uh, over the past few years as well. Just I, I, like the one big thing about the OHL is drafting and uh, the asset value and, and all these things that come with the draft. And I think that just showed with our championship uh, year, our scouting staff did an amazing job with that uh, 2002 born draft. And, you know, it, it, it goes to show uh, how important it really is. And to be uh, kind of back in, in involved with that minor midget draft, something I'm really looking forward to, but uh all those little experiences over the years and working with good people, you learn and then you kind of find your way on what uh, individually what you look for in a player. And, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching some younger talent. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is the new assistant GM with the Hamilton Bulldogs, Matt Turek. Uh, Matt, you mentioned you're going to be watching a lot more minor hockey games. What is that experience like? Do you get? Do you get are you allowed to talk to players, their parents? What kind of experience do you gain in going to these games? Well, I think early on, you, like working with uh, with our scouting staff, you kind of identify talent as as early as possible, and then uh, probably around Christmas time, you, the players that you, you want to target or focus on, you really dig in and try to find everything out about them. Like as far as school, uh, you know, what kind of teammate they are, are they coachable? Um, you know, how they do in school, um, you know, how, um, how far developed they are. Like there's kids that, you know, the, the problem when we draft kids at 15 years old is that some of them, like their maturity might be their physical maturity might be 12 to 13 where other kids are 18 and they're shaving. So you try to figure all these little things out, and it's, uh, you know, you, you just try to be smarter than the next team. But, um, you know, there's some good, there's other good staffs out there, too, and, and we just try to, you know, hopefully uh, get it right. And, and, and it's worked, and our scouting staff has been together for, I mean, I, almost since the beginning. We haven't really had any changes. So I, it's, uh, it's a great group of guys that, uh, that really take a lot of pride into finding, you know, the next Bulldog and, uh you know, two championships in four years, I think, has proven that. Absolutely. The the competition between scouts to find that next diamond in the rough or superstar player is ultra-competitive. What's it like? What's the feeling like when you get it right? Well, you know what's funny is that we we almost obsess about the ones that you might get wrong. We almost... <laughs> That's that's the one that uh, behind the scenes we we talk about those like oh man you know uh, we should have taken this guy instead of this guy, but that's that's the competitive nature we have. But um, you know there's there's good years you know like the we we got uh, I, I believe the 2001 draft where we had Connor McMichael and Arthur Kelly of back to back first round second round and I mean both of them are playing in the NHL now so like that's one where you really hit it right and um, with that O2 draft like I mentioned earlier. 2002 born draft I think you know we probably had six or seven players on our championship year and guys drafted from the first round to the 15th round yeah so it was cool. those late round guys are guys that uh, we really take a lot of a lot of pride into and um even free agents too you know you look at uh um you know some of the players that uh, we just signed a uh Florian Jackai Arbor's brother uh last week who's uh who's a free agent and and uh you know some late round picks like Mark uh Mark Duart who's a local Hamilton 
product. Um, you know, I think he was a 14th or 15th round pick, and he was a big part, uh, big player for us this year in the playoffs. Yeah, it's amazing seeing those late, late, late round picks uh, really pan out. Matt Turek is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Matt is the new assistant GM with the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, Steve Steos could one day and, and maybe soon make that leap from OHL to the NHL front office. Uh, there are some embers in the fire on that one. How much of a sponge are you going to be this season, knowing that that day might come sometime soon? Well, to be honest with you, I've always been a uh, sponge around Steve. So I take in like his experiences um, over the years, playing, managing, dealing with people, uh, evaluating. I, I've, I've been a sponge since, you know, since I came on board with the team and um, learn every day. So I don't think anything changes that way. I, you know, obviously the rumors have been floating around. I mean, probably since uh, Steve got to Hamilton and uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, he, he just seems very content in what, he, what he's doing, and, and uh, the fire still burns for him to win a third championship. So until things change, you know, it, just like with this AGM role, you know, I was ready when, when asked, and I'd always be ready in the future, but uh, I don't see anything changing. Uh, we got about 30 seconds. Uh, we know that this team is going to change because a lot of uh, players are going to be graduating to uh, other leagues. What's this Bulldogs team going to look like this year? <laughs> so it's a great question. Um, we're hoping to get uh, some players back that have been at NHL camps. And uh, if, if those players come back, those are some star players. And, and uh, if we get them back, I think, you know, we could push for uh, another contending team. But I, I think we're going to be good regardless. Just how good are we going to be? I think that's, that's the question. And, uh, and with some good young players coming too, I think our fans would be very impressed with our uh, last draft. Good news for Bulldogs fans as they are eagerly anticipating another great season upon us. Matt, thanks for the time today. Uh, Congrats on the new gig and best of luck going forward. Appreciate it, Rick. That's Matt Turek. He's the new assistant general manager with the Hamilton Bulldogs as the Dogs will kick off their season later on this year looking for back-to-back OHL championships. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.